My name is Erin Bross, and this is The Dirt, Confessions of a Tree Planter. Art for this podcast comes from another tree planter, Bethany Davis, as part of her illustration series, Follow the Trees. This is a podcast about tree planting as a reforestation practice in the silviculture industry. Tree planters are a collective of people who spend much of their lives replenishing a logged area with new forest. However, tree planting is so much more than the physical act of planting thousands of seedlings in the ground day after day as a job. It is about the connections, experiences, bonds, and memories that last a lifetime. The dirt is a place to shed light on the culture that is mostly contained within those who have stuck a shovel in the ground. It is meant to dive deep into all things tree planting as a place for those to reminisce, relate, or to learn. So wherever you're coming from, as any tree planter would say, may the planting gods be with you. Hey folks, I'm back. Um, I hope everyone out west here is enjoying the absolutely gorgeous weather. Um, Yeah, I'm loving it. Winter is finally gone. Um, And for those of you who are still in winter, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so I've got an episode that I kind of wanted to put out, yeah, sort of right as the main season is starting, you know, everyone's starting to make their way towards their respective, um, planting contracts all over the place. And of course, internationally, I know there's tree planting going on right now in Australia, in Scotland, other places in the UK, like, um, yeah, so, So yeah, for those of you who have decided for maybe the first time to not go back this year and are struggling with it, um, or maybe you're going back this year rather hesitantly, not really wanting to, but kind of stuck in the planting vortex as happens, of course. Um, Yeah, I wanted to provide this episode about an endgame with Mike Renault. Um, And so Mike reached out to me. And I just shared a little bit about what he'd done and just was willing to share how he, you know, created and executed a successful exit game from the planting industry and why he did so and how he did it. And yeah, so we basically go into all of that um, in the interview. Um, Mike, I'm sorry, I just haven't had time to... (laughs) figure out how to get the song into the actual episode. So there is a song that he mentions um, that was, you know, written by a planter. And I've just put it in the show notes in the link so you guys can go and check it out and listen to it. Um, Yeah, because a lot of the rules in um, the podcast platform I use here don't really let me do that, I think. Or to be honest, maybe after I record this intro, I'll try and put it in. Um, Yeah, maybe I'll just do that. And I'll just put in as like uh, right after the interview or something. So um, at the end of the interview, it'll play the song or something. Um, Yeah, just thinking about that on the fly. So anyways, but regardless, there'll be a link um, in the show notes for that. And uh, some of you may or may not have noticed, um, and with this episode, I won't be sharing it on Facebook because I have left Facebook. Um, it's been something I've wanted to do for a while and, um, my bird is really in support of that. She's being very vocal right now, if you can hear. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just have really not enjoyed being on there for a long time and I kind of kept it going just because of the podcast, um, because of the podcast page there, but I'm just kind of over it. So, um, so yeah, I've deleted it. Um, so the podcast page is no longer there. 
Um, however, you know, there will still be the podcast going on um, and you can find it easily on all the podcast platforms. So if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast wherever you're listening, um, please do so. And then that way you'll get the notifications about new episodes that come out. And I'm also going to put a link in the show notes to my website. Um, and so there will be a link there to submit a contact form if you are interested in coming on the podcast and you don't know how to reach out to me if you, um, you know, don't already have my number or email or whatever. Um, I will also include my email on here anyways. Um, it literally takes the same amount of time as it would take to message me on Facebook. So let me just stress that. Same amount of time to just click the link and fill out the contact form. Same thing. Same same process, just different medium. Um, because, of course, I know that a lot of social media has made us increasingly lazy to like do things like send emails or make a phone call. Um, so I've made it as easy as possible for everybody. Um, yeah, and even if you have a recommendation of someone... Um, who you think should be on the podcast, um, also fill out that contact form or just shoot me an email the old fashioned way. Um, yeah, if, uh, if you're interested, so yeah, it's going to be potentially a little bit more effort, but, um, yeah, looking forward to not having to deal with that anymore. So with all that being said, um, enjoy this episode with Mike and, uh, I hope you all have safe travels to your respective planting shows. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for uh, reaching out and uh, being willing to, to come on here. I think this is a, a topic that we're going to talk about today that is uh, in so many people's minds all of the time. So, <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, I saw that you did another another interview that was sort of like making the decision to uh, the decision to leave planting or continue and make a career out of it and what that choice looked like. And I thought it would be interesting to have somebody who made the choice to leave and what that looked like. Mm hmm. So, of course, let's just start off right off the bat here with just telling the listeners a bit about who you are. Yeah, uh, my name's Mike Renault. I planted trees for eight years, did a few seasons on the coast, North Interior, South Interior, Alberta, and planted one winter in Scotland as well. Um, I attended at the time called the Western Silviculture Association Conference, but I think it's called the Western Forestry Association now. Um, I attended that conference three times. Um, and I have the very dubious honor of being the third most frequent poster on the replant.ca forms right behind Jordan Tesluck and Scooter. So when I was involved in the industry from 2007 to 2015, I was quite involved. Okay, I didn't realize there was like a, a rating system for that. <laughs> Yeah, you could actually, you, could, you can see it. It's not that important and it doesn't matter. I just say it as sort of a tongue-in-cheek way of illustrating that like before King Kong reforestation and everyone was posting in that, I was active in the other planting social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Facebook's like giving you a little badge or something for it. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> 
because I've noticed I've noticed that's a thing like it's like oh you've like I don't know if you're sharing people's things or active in it it's like oh you're a this kind of person like here's a little badgy thing so I don't really know what that's all about but I haven't noticed it I use Facebook a little bit less um I'm still in the King Kong group off and on depending on how much I'm thinking about planting but I'm not so active on Facebook these days Mm. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. So, so let's start off. Um, you know, you mentioned, yeah, your, your brief sort of planting history and we're, we'll get into that here. So how did you get into tree planting originally? Um, originally I was taking a public speaking class at the University of Victoria, um, where I did a degree in political science and philosophy. And one of the people doing a speech I don't remember what the context was, but she had been planting the season before and she brought in her planting shovel and bags and talked about tree planting. Um, And as the person that I was at that age, I had a strong craving for something that felt like a dramatic adventure. And in her public speech, which I guess, I mean, congratulations her, she did a really great job of like selling planting and making it sound like a dramatic adventure. I was, I think, hooked right from the moment it was probably February and like that made the decision for me I was like I'm going planting I started looking for jobs right away I started getting gear sorted out right away yeah it was the most random chance happenstance because I hadn't even really heard that tree planting was a thing until that point yeah that's really interesting I don't know if I've ever heard that approach the interactive sort of like show and tell presentation about yeah. planting so yeah that probably would have helped you a bit too like at least seeing the gear um, yeah. and having a bit more of the visual there for sure for sure it was really interesting it was really really interesting how that happened um because i'm under the impression lots of people get into planting from knowing somebody or having been hearing about it their entire life and that definitely wasn't the case for me Mm, yeah, interesting. And so, so how was it? I'm curious as well in terms of just that presentation and then deciding to go. Um, yeah, did you did you then choose to go like in BC? And and how was it based on sort of the idea that you got from this girl doing the presentation when you actually got there? <laughs> uh, I think no presentation can ever adequately capture the intensity of the job you know i think the best the best in media attempt to capture like the feeling of planting i think i've ever felt is charlotte gill's book um eating dirt um but yeah planting is just such a unique thing it's really you know i see scooters putting out um training videos and booklets and things these days that are much more developed than when i started in 2007 but even perfect resources it's really hard to capture what a day on the cut block feels like Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you mention Charlotte's book, Eating Dirt, because I mean, reading that book, like it's, yeah, yes, it encompasses tree planting, but to me, it's like that book is about coastal planting. So like, I'm curious your your thoughts on that, just, just while we're, while we're chatting about it here. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember when I read it. Um, yeah, if I had read it before my first coastal season or after, um, it definitely, definitely has a coastal, coastal focus for sure. That's right. Um, I, I, yeah, I do think at the end of the day, they're very, very different, but the core element of being outside with a task, a, a simple, repetitive, but ultimately very challenging and complex task, mm -hmm. that part stays the same, even if coastal complexity tends to go up quite a lot with multi-species microsighting and much more uh, intricate terrain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, totally. Um, great book, though. Great book. Yeah, well, and it's interesting, too, because the company she worked for is a company that I've worked for quite a bit, and so... Um, I think I had read, I think I must have read it in university when it first came out, but then it was interesting. I actually haven't read it since, but it's just interesting because I know people in the book um, yep. and have worked with them now. So it might be funny to go back and, and reread, but stories. anyways, haven't done that. So, so as you mentioned, of course, you said that you had planted for eight seasons. Mm -hmm. Okay. Eight years, yep. Yeah. And, and yeah, as you mentioned, you know, you kind of planted all over the place and, uh, you know, you mentioned to me as well that you also planted in Scotland for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I did one winter in Scotland. Um, and I did a quite elaborate write-up of like my experiences for the replant forums about it. Um, one thing that like, is a value that I really stand by is like information transparency and trying to support the communities that I'm a part of. And one of my sort of long-term challenges with tree planting is you'd ask people about companies and uh, what work was like, and they'd say, oh, it was great, or oh, it was crap. And then you'd press them for details, you know, okay, like how long was the season? What sort of numbers was the camp putting in? You know, what was the average tree price? How many half days did you have? And all these sort of details that like go behind the feeling were often missing. Mm. And so when I was reading about planting in Scotland, I was reading these comments often on the replant forums, like Scotland is literally hell. You would have to be an idiot to waste your money on a flight and go freeze your ass off for three months. I lost money planting in Scotland. And I'm reading these like sometimes over the top ridiculous comments, but with very little in the way of actual detail behind them and so part of my motivation to go to Scotland was to actually like write something with some solid information behind it yeah that's interesting because I've also heard similar things about Scotland <laughs> yeah I I had a good time there and I had a good contract and I made good money um, now to be fair it is probably the best Scotland experience I've ever heard anyone relate. And mm. I've heard people relate much tougher experiences, but honestly, like it worked out really quite well for me. Um, it was maybe a lucky contract, maybe a lucky crew, um, but it worked well. Aside from, you know, you know, one degree rain pretty much every day for two months straight. But, you know, yeah. you get used yeah. to that. Basically like the coast here in January, like all yeah, the time. So. Exactly, yeah. yeah. 
Okay. So, you know, with all that being said, yeah, you've, you've, you've planted around a little bit. And, and like you said, you've got some of the coastal, coastal experience in, in your belt as well. So, you know, from that initial time where you had that presentation your, and your first season getting into it, um, and even up to now, how has tree planting changed or impacted your life? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say one thing for sure is that like, it's given me a lot of grit. Um, the person that went planting for the first time, like I didn't like being outside. I didn't like being cold or wet. Like I had very little patience or perseverance for discomfort. Mm. And in some ways it's like, kind of shocking that I enjoyed it as much as I did but I think it revealed some things about me actually that like places where I thrive and do well and feel happy that I didn't realize about myself mm-hmm. um and so definitely the grit and the perseverance I mean I used to be a really picky eater planting trees changed that uh, I would now eat pretty much everything and anything um you know, like there were, I used to not like lasagna. And I remember my first season planting, you know, one night's lasagna night. And I am like desperately hungry because, you know, planting trees. And it's like, oh, I guess I just have to eat this. And I ate it and was like, wow, this is delicious. And part of that is definitely the hunger. But I think it also taught me, aside from like the grit and perseverance, to have a much more like open mind about possibly enjoying experiences that I might not have thought myself predisposed to Mm, yeah no definitely um it really uh well it's so much is stripped away and then yeah it's kind of like you got to make do with what you you've got a lot of the time rather than you know maybe defaulting to something that was more comfortable or you were more used to and it really it like forces you to expand your horizons basically (laughs) It it really, really does. It really, really does. I find tree planting was such a like revealing thing. Like when there's so little around you and you've got your mind and like the bare necessities, I found it like such an interesting thing to reveal like what you were capable of, what you could go through, like how you could keep control and sort out the thoughts going through your head while you're doing this task yeah I so interesting like even though I'm no longer planting I've been out of it for five years I still have planting dreams sometimes I still daydream on occasion about doing a season in Australia which I always wanted to do Mm. I yeah I loved the task of planting trees I loved the going out there and doing the work part of the job yeah yeah um well yeah you never know I mean maybe I mean certainly not uh accessible right now but um (laughs) but yeah you'll have to check out my episode as well with Andrew um you know a a good buddy of mine who has a company down under now so um, yeah yeah so Canadian running uh running a company down there Aussie style so so you know that's the beautiful thing about tree planting though right is like you can always go back if you feel like yeah you know so for the for the most part like you know maybe something happens and physically you can't do the job or whatnot um which is always really unfortunate but for the most part yeah if everything's all good in that way it's like no matter what happens in your life you can always go yeah the muscles do not forget a million trees they really don't Yeah. yeah yeah no definitely okay so 
with all that being said, um, yeah, I like to ask these two questions and I always emphasize like whatever comes into your mind first. Um, when I ask, what is your favorite tree planting memory? Yeah. So when I saw this question, the first thing that I thought of was more of a feeling than a memory. Um, I feel like there is a certain sort of happiness that you get when planting um, this like deep happiness of being like fulfilled in a community at peace, like being happy with having the essentials. And like, I remember just like, not always having this feeling, certainly there were tough days, um, but yeah, this, this feeling of like, like satisfaction and contentment in a hard thing done well. And I remember on days off just feeling like so happy and fulfilled to like eat a good meal, explore a small town and like know what I was doing the next day. And that was planting trees you know I, I used to say in my head there's nothing to do but plant and if I had a bad day I would say that too you know like no point in sitting around no point in like giving up because you are on this cut block and there is nothing to do here except for plant a tree mm -hmm. yeah yeah so I don't know if that counts a, a feeling more than a memory um there's a song from peter cron's uh, high and ho we plant trees called general store by the gruff and one of the lines is uh, a happiness like this is rare and i think of that when i think about tree planting like somehow that line really captures a feeling in planting for me mm. Yeah, no, that definitely, I can resonate with that too, you know, because it's so hard to go through the memory bank a lot of the time. Like, it's just, it's like never ending, right? Um, yeah. But, uh, so in that case, I'm curious then, uh, you know, in terms of your answer for what's your worst planting memory? Uh, I have one for sure. Um, <laughs> my first season planting, um, I was sort of getting away from a relationship that wasn't super good for me. Mm -hmm. And my first year of university was like decent, but a little challenging because of that. Um, and, you know, leaving home for the first time and went out planting. And it was like probably four or five days or four or five shifts into the season. Um, and I was with a company that had like 35 rookies and not much training. So like I was hitting a thousand in 10 cent land, like just like four or five shifts in, you know, like I was pretty slow learning and honestly pretty much everyone at the company was sort of because of the circumstances there. Um, but I woke up from a dream of like, all of my favorite people in high school and this teacher that I really liked and got along well with. And in the dream, the teacher says, you can come back to this. And uh, man, I remember this like vividly years and years later, um, you can come back to this. And then I wake up and I'm just like, 
it's in my head like I can't come back to this like I had like some really good years in high school and you know like now I have to make a new life and that day it poured cold rain all day we were in an overgrown waist-high block that as a rookie planter I did not know how to deal with effectively um and I punched through the day and like probably three quarters of the crew ended up in the vans at some point during the day. And I'm like MP3 player in screaming to the songs that I'm like singing along to while listening to music. And the foreman comes up to me and is like, hey man, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I just like yell back, I'm fine. Um, and uh, da, 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 da. and he's like, you know, everyone else is in the the trucks warming up. And I'm like, I'm planting, like, I'm here to do the thing, you know, like, I don't have a choice. Um, and I remember, like, way later in the season, of those, like, 35 rookies that started with me, 13 were left. And one one of the like four vets there were like four vets and only one was left at the end of the season we actually merged in with a different company to finish our contracts um and the one vet said to me he's like dude i am shocked you are here there was that one day in the spring where you just had this look in your eyes i was certain you were quitting that day i was certain there was no way you were going to make it through the season and i'm like i know exactly what day you're talking about dude and that will always stand out in my memory as like a really tough day mhm mm but you know what? I got through it and I planted like seven more years after that. Yeah, that's always the incredible part, right? Is yeah. uh, when some when your worst day or like, I've heard so many stories of people saying that they were going to quit and then that was like six or seven years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, somehow you keep going. Yeah, the, the, the human capacity to keep going and get used to something really incredible mm -hmm. yeah yeah no totally um and so let's talk a little bit about now you know because i would usually ask the question like oh you know how long are you considering um planting for but of course you've already for the most part because it sounds like you still are entertaining the possibility of of eventually maybe checking some other places off your list and whatnot but how Very did loosely. yeah of course yeah. <laughs> how did how did that come about like that decision to to not go back um like let's let's start with that first of just like yeah deciding to not go back planting and like did that happen right after the season was that like in the off season like how did that all come about for you yeah so i was after finishing my degree, started doing some long seasons with coastal and planting in Scotland the one winter as well. Um, and part of me was like thinking about becoming a lifer, doing long seasons and seeing if I could, you know, I met a guy who was 64 years old who had planted since he was 19 every year on the coast and in the interior as well. And I was like, I could do that. Um, but the thing that finally eventually convinced me to leave the industry um, was information asymmetry. Um, 
And so I had quite a few experiences where I went out to companies and contracts where I was told, okay, we've got these three contracts, it'll be a 60 day May, June, July season, average tree prices, etc. Um, and then I showed up and 40 days in, it's like, okay, we're out of trees next week. And it's like, it's like end of June. And I'm like, I thought there was another contract. And it's like, oh, we didn't actually end up getting that contract. When we were when we were advertising, we thought we'd get it, but we didn't get it. And so we actually don't have any more trees for you guys. Or like going to jobs and being told we'd do these two contracts. And then halfway through, it's like, actually, we've decided to give this contract to a different company. I mean, I remember seeing posts on replant where people were advertising jobs and they're saying camp of 50 planters this many trees the crew average will be 300 bucks this will be the average tree price and we type the numbers into your calculator it's like well if you want 50 planters to average 300 bucks at 15 cents a tree they're going to finish the number of trees you say you have in 33 days. How do you think you're getting a 60 day season out of that? And the math didn't add up. And I eventually found it was just too hard to like get consistent contracts and like know what I was getting into. There were a couple times where I like went to companies and was like, all right, this is a good company. I feel really good here. I'm really happy with the season we're having here. And then I'd go there the next year and they'd say everything would be the same. And suddenly things would end up radically different midway through the season. And I think the lack of consistency finally like got to me. Like if I could just wake up teleport out to a cut block and plant trees i'd plant trees the rest of my life you know mm. um but all the sort of like logistics and to try and build long seasons constantly hunting for new contracts i also didn't have a car so i was greyhounding and flying everywhere um maybe if i had gotten a bush vehicle it would have been easier um i would have found it a little less frustrating yeah, no, that's um it's interesting. Like I actually haven't heard that before as being like a major reason behind. So it, it sounds like it it wasn't necessarily completely uh like I don't want to plant anymore. It was more you know around like the work itself and just like not feeling satisfied. Yeah, like I wanted to keep planting in a lot of ways. It was all of the sort of logistics around it and finding companies where I felt happy. And, you know, I, I really had quite a few problems with like getting a contract, being told one thing would happen and then midway through the contract, oh, we've actually, we don't have enough work for all of you. So half of you have this option to work a different contract with a different company or take a layoff. Um, and the other half of you can come work this other contract we've now secured. And I really, I think I'm a person who like likes order and likes planning and eventually some of the impromptu nature of the industry um the industry and the practices and some of the communication practices i found like at least a couple times 
camps, I like going into seasons, I was told camps had more trees than they actually had. Mm. Yeah. And like, I don't, I don't think it's actively deceitful. Like, I don't think these people are trying to be deceptive in their hiring practices. I think it's like very human nature to like put on the best face and be optimistic and, oh, we've gotten that contract the last couple years at this bid. We'll probably get it again this year. We can tell people that. Um, and I think that sort of optimism is very like normal for humans, um, but I found it a little disruptive. Hmm. So how did that go for you then in terms of, okay, then you're deciding you're not going back because of all of this, you know, how, like, how did that feel then to leave planting, especially because it sounds like you were still really in love with it and in love with like the job itself. So, so how was that? Definitely bittersweet, definitely bittersweet. Um, and like, obviously I'm in love with it. I mean, five years later, I still think about it. I watched the One Million Trees documentary the night it came out. Like I consume all of the planting documentary stuff pretty much as soon as it comes out. Um, like I am and was really passionate about the industry. Um, but, you know, eventually, you know, the the logistics and disorganization and also like making a career of it, you know, the work the rest of the year, I wasn't sort of like building good work the rest of the year. And so, you know, my best seasons, I made fifty, fifty-five thousand dollars over, you know, eight, nine months. Mm -hmm. But I was starting to like think about what that would look like long term and you know where I would eventually settle down and I wanted I wanted to build a career and it was becoming apparent that I couldn't quite figure out how to make that work and nail that down in planting so it was bittersweet it was bittersweet you know I'm also curious or I'd like to ask about because you know you've been out of the industry you said five years and in the last five years and really just even in the last few years especially like the change that has occurred in the industry for a variety of reasons but regardless you know so much has changed and of course i'm sure you've been following this since you know you've kept yourself kind of connected to it all like what do you think about all of the changes then that have gone on and and the the tree prices you see right now and and all that you know that whole aspect like is it has it made you you know like reconsider going back at all like or are you kind of happy with with where you're at um yeah i'm curious what you think about about the state of of planting now yeah i'm not perfectly looped in not as much as when i was doing the work obviously um but i have been hearing about you know labor shortages um in particular and man when i started planting labor shortages were not a thing like companies were turning people away you'd lots of people could not find the work who wanted it especially rookies like to get a rookie season you had to work with a a pretty rough company or you had to really know people and get lucky and so definitely i think it might be easier these days for people to string together a longer season and a career than it was when i was planting um you know i started in 2007 um famous for the recession and i remember seeing reports um from people like scooter and jordan and uh, the western 
silviculture association now the forestry association showing like prices stagnating against inflation over 10 15 years um i'm really glad to see things are improving for planters right now it makes me really happy um at the end of the day, I'm really pretty happy in my career swap um, to plumbing now. I'm a plumber and I really quite like that work as well. Yeah, so let, let's segue into that. So when you sort of decided to leave planting, like, yeah, did you automatically, you know, think about plumbing or like what did that transition look like for you, especially the first year? Because um, I know it's always hard for people that first year, especially when they see everyone go out and then like they're not planting. And so, so what did you do after that first year and how did you sort of end up where you are now? Yeah, so I was sort of my eighth season, I was sort of like realizing that I could not keep doing it forever and that like it just wasn't going to fit with me um and i was debating doing a master's degree or picking up a trade and i facebook messaged probably around 80 people who i graduated with and like asked them where they were at in their careers and the people who i graduated with overwhelmingly were still pursuing more school or working jobs unrelated to their degree. Um, you know, labor markets in Victoria through, you know, 2010, 2013, 14, coming out of the recession for public sector work were pretty slow. And so I was debating the ma a master's, I was debating doing a trade. And one of the tree planters I worked with his dad was a plumber and he was telling me stories about the work and um so i was thinking about a trade and that sort of helped get me settle uh, settled on uh plumbing and so i applied to um lots of colleges have entry-level training programs and they're called different things in different places sometimes pre-apprenticeship programs sometimes foundational skills programs um, sometimes entry-level training programs um, and i applied for one of those they're often you know four six eight months long and they give you like a mix of the theoretical and the hands-on skills in like a mock shop. And so I applied for one of those for plumbing in Victoria and I got in. Um, so I planted my last day and two days later started plumbing school. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah, um, you really just like went straight into it. Didn't, went, didn't leave yourself any time to second guess. Did not leave myself much time to second guess, no. And I really enjoyed the school. I got a lot of good knowledge. You can directly start um, in the trades and get apprenticeships, um, but depending on like where you are and how often like a school is putting out people from one of these pre-apprenticeship programs, you know, if one guy's gone through a pre-apprenticeship and the other guy hasn't, you know, the guy who has that pre-apprenticeship program or entry-level training program has an advantage. Um, and so some trades don't have those sorts of programs as much, but for plumbing, there was one. So I did it um, six months. And then in the spring, when I would have otherwise gone out planting, I got a job as a plumbing apprentice. Hmm. Yeah. And I'm curious too how, like, 
I don't know if this was ever like a big point for you with planting, but how was the transition from, yeah, like working outside every day to, um, well, obviously not be doing that when you're plumbing. Um, yeah. And so kind of working indoors and just, yeah, like being kind of in the city full time. And yeah, how, how was all of that? Yeah, I would call construction trades semi-indoors um, because I definitely do like groundworks and foundation works where there is no building above me and I've been rained on just the same as I was if I would be planting and I've been, you know, in 30 degree sun just the same as I would be planting and the nice days too, of course. Um, and then sometimes you're in, you know, a partially built window uh, partially built building, but there are no windows in, so you still get the breeze and the sun. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's not quite as exposed to the elements as planting, but it is a little bit exposed still. Um, I like I like city life too. You know, honestly, I think I think I was ready for the transition. I miss. I miss small towns a little. That's the thing I miss most. I think I, I really, really enjoyed exploring small towns. And it's one of the things I really miss about planting trees. Mm -hmm. um, but I do, like, I do like my city life. I'm not unhappy in my city life. Yeah, and um, in terms of all of that, uh, you know, because obviously you kind of found something and you've sort of stuck with it. So how are you feeling now in terms of, because you obviously kind of have this job that, um, you know, I don't know if you like work for a company or if, if you contract, but you know, it's year round and maybe it's a bit more stable. Like, how do you feel now versus like in your planting days? Yeah, I definitely appreciate the stability quite a lot. Um, and I think that in a lot of ways, like, uh, planters are very, very well suited to picking up a skilled trade. Like, it's pretty hard, pretty physical work, which I really appreciate. One of the other things that prevented me from doing a master's degree is after eight years of planting, I couldn't imagine sitting behind a desk all day ever again, you know? Like, that seemed like a nightmare to me. Like, I want to be active, and the job is pretty active. And I just think that, like, like, basically nobody in our society is as harshly trained by, like, environment and piecework to, like, grind out hard work. And mm -hmm. I think in the trades, like, there's a big demand for people willing to do hard work and grind it out and get the job done. And I think that's a place where planters can pretty quickly excel and shine and build a career. And the trades also have very good wages, which helps, you know, offset one of the advantages of planting. Like, I think it's a good fit in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, with all of this being said, of course, um, you know, for people who are who are looking for that transition and who maybe don't have any, any idea of what to do, or, or maybe they even do, but they just, you know, haven't, you know, cause planting so easy to kind of fall into. Right. Um, yep. Like what advice do you have for people who might be in that situation right now? And especially, you know, we're recording this early December and yeah, it's like the middle of the off season and it's, it's that time, you know, where it's like, are you going to do something else? Are you going to go back planting? And like, everyone's kind of in that mode right now. So, so what kind of advice would you have for those people? 
Yeah, I think I think the trades are great. Like I think one of the advantages is they're relatively quickly to pick up. Either you just jump into a job or you do like four, six months of school. And the schooling was cheap. Like it was $3,000 in total for like the entire program. Um, and the other awesome thing about the trades is like once you have those skills, like they're going to persist then it's not a super quickly changing industry in a lot of trades there are new things coming out every few years but a lot of the core mechanics stay similar um and so definitely like a planter could pick one up the other thing is is like the trades need people like in general in the western portion of bc at the moment there's a decent labor demand um and so you know, you could always get the work and then go plant for a couple months and then come back and get back to work. And, you know, nobody would really blink sort of thing. Um, and honestly, like, I, I work for a union. And if I decided I wanted to take a month or two off this summer, um, my current employer might not hire me back. But because I'm in a union, I could go on the union board and I'd get hired by a different contractor to build a different set of condos, um, you know, and basically just jump right back into it at the same sort of wage and benefits. And so... In some ways, I think the trades could offer a lot of flexibility in off-season work for planters too, or mm -hmm. for, you know, if you, maybe if you're getting injured or not quite sure you're able to do long seasons or you didn't find coastal work, I feel like it could be a really good backup for people as well. Yeah, no, I think that's all, um, it's great to, you know, know that people have that kind of flexibility as well, because I think like that's the biggest problem when you've um, really like leaned into tree planting for so long is, and, and I think that is honestly the beauty of it, in my opinion, is it, it creates this incredible lifestyle, right, that, that you can create however, however you see fit, where you've got all of this time when you're not planting um, and all this like financial freedom, personal freedom, et cetera, to be doing like whatever else you want. And I think that's a really hard thing to walk away from because so much of, um, you know, other careers or jobs or yeah, things you can do for work, like in our society nowadays are so structured. Right. And it's like, you got your nine to five and you've like got to work all the time. And you've only got so many like vacation days and like all yeah. this kind of stuff that totally I know does not appeal to me. Nobody could pay me enough money to do that. <laughs> and like, I know a lot of planters feel that way too. So it's really hard to like, when you're used to this kind of balance to like, go into something that's so restrictive so it's really good to know that with things like the trades you know you can kind of like bounce around and then maybe you know yeah if you want to still plant a bit like you can kind of ease your way out of it right like it doesn't have to be a, a cold turkey thing um, yeah yeah the blue collar trades are definitely a fair bit more flexible than uh than some of the white collar stuff and a little bit more easy to you know like move around jobs sort of like planting in a way where you know like if one season you want to work somewhere different you know you just apply and once you've got a few years experience it's not that hard to do it like same thing with the trades you know you you want to leave for a while and your boss doesn't want to let you go and says oh I won't take you back like there's lots of work you know you sort of can do it and so 
I know what you mean about the planting lifestyle. Like there's nothing like that lifestyle and freedom and culture. Like one of the things I loved about planting so much is it had a really vibrant culture. And that's one thing that I miss in the trades a little bit is like, there's still people, you know, pre-COVID, of course, getting together for beers or like the union would sponsor a golf tournament and things like that. But it doesn't have quite the same level of sort of culture. You know, there's not very many people writing songs about plumbing, not nearly yeah. so many as there are <laughs> writing songs about planting. Yeah, yeah. Well, you never know. There might be some out there. I don't know. There's, Maybe it's like some. There's probably a couple. There's probably a couple. Some weird niche thing. So. <laughs> okay. Well, to wrap up here, um, you know, we'll kind of switch gears a little bit on the advice front. But what is one piece of advice you would give anyone who's considering going tree planting? So entering the game, not exiting, um, or who has already decided that they're going to be going tree planting for the first time this season? Yeah, that's a good, that's, I think for the context of this interview, I think a really good thing to think about that I maybe wish I had thought about, and I think people often don't think about, is how it will necessarily fit in with the larger context of your life. Are you a university student who's going to do four years through your degree and then jump immediately into, uh, you know, a related career related to your degree? Are you going to do a while and then try and do the coastal thing and build yourself longer seasons and become a career planter? Um, is it just an adventure and a lark for a summer job one summer and you're going to do something else next summer? Like, what would those things look like in the larger context of your life? Like, I don't think people think about that. I certainly didn't. Um, and... I think it's an interesting question. Um, I think there's lots and lots of good material out there. I would also say do your research, um, read stuff online, look at Scooter's training videos. They're so, so much better than the stuff I saw when I started planting. Yeah, no, I know the, the resources these days are just They're so great. easy. Yeah, They're great. People don't even have to like try. Like it's like so many people just are like, oh, I'm looking to tree plant. And they just like post a thing and, they, you know, expect everyone to come flocking to them. And I'm just <laughs> like, um, what happened to like going out and finding a job? Like, do people not do that anymore? Instead, remember, they just like hire me. But I don't, I don't understand that whole dynamic at all. I remember um, emailing and calling like 45 companies to find my rookie season. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mike, for coming on here and, and talking about your experience. Um, I think this is like a really helpful episode for a lot of people. And so I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story today. Thanks for having me. And thank you so much for the time.
Tree. 